Wowie, wowie, wowie. Tom Simpson is with me. It's the United Pubcast, episode 96. And Manchester United are in the semi-finals of the FA Cup. But you wouldn't know it, Tom, because if you look online, it is the worst football performance that ever existed in the history of football. What were your thoughts? Or how are you feeling, I should say? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm good because obviously United progress in the FA Cup. Um, had a good day watching the fights in the UFC, so everything is good. But yeah, the Twitter reaction um, has been a little bit... Um, depressing to go through, but I'm sure we'll get into that. But before we start, I think um, maybe a bit of a congratulations is in order, unfortunately, so I think we might as well get it over and done with. Um, I think we do have to say, unfortunately, congratulations to um, Australia and New Zealand for hosting the Women's World Cup. That was great news. Yeah, absolutely. Um, A big a big victory for the Australian government um, and New Zealand, of course. And to be honest, that's the only thing worth celebrating this week. I don't think of, I can't think of anything else significant happening in football during the week besides that. Can you? No, biggest news for me. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that in 2023. Yeah, um, excellent. Hopefully, hopefully we have a Matilda playing for the Man United team by then. Fingers crossed. Well, obviously, we're going to be looking at the FA Cup victory, quarterfinal victory over Norwich City. Uh, United... One two one, and we definitely did not make it easy. Uh, so obviously we'll go through that. Um, we'll talk about some key performers, people who played well, people who didn't. Uh, we'll go through three two ones, of course, and come to your comments. And lastly, we'll look at the Brighton preview back to the Premier League midweek. Tom, let's start at the game. Obviously, as I said, Manchester United two, Norwich City one, takes us into the semi-finals and to Wembley, albeit no crowds. Let's talk about the squad selection because a lot of the a lot of the congestion prior to kickoff was was there too many changes for this game? What what do you think? Look, after watching the game, definitely there was too many changes. You can't argue with that. However, I cast my mind back to before kickoff on our late, on our last podcast, and I said almost make eleven changes. And I understand all the criticisms with that Ollie got this wrong. There, there definitely were too many. However, I have to give him a pass because it's such a unique circumstance. We have so many games. What's this? Uh, is it our third game back within a week or yep. something? You have to change the team. And not only to give players a rest, but also the new players need to sort of get rid of that rustiness because you saw how rusty some of the players have been on their sort of their first game back. So from both points of view, you do need to change the squad. Now, definitely there were too many changes. However, I can kind of agree with it because... It needs to happen. Someone's going to get injured soon. And if we have to rely on someone like a Fred or a McTominay to come in at short notice in a game or two's time, they need to have that match fitness. So, look, it did sort of prove to be a disjointed performance, mainly down to the squad selection, I think, the team selection. But um, I don't think I'd go overboard with the criticism for Ollie for it. Look, at the end of the day, and I've put this on Twitter, this is a results-based business and... We got the result at the end, and we won the game. And I think that that just seems to be going over everyone's head. It's almost as if people expect Manchester United to play perfect football every single game, regardless of who we're against or the circumstances surrounding it. Could you could you imagine if we had that late winner late in an FA Cup run under Sir Alex Ferguson? Remember Solskjaer's goal late at Old Trafford against Liverpool in '99. wasn't the greatest game. Liverpool okay, we were dominating, dominating, but nothing was happening. Solskjaer pops up with that late winner. It's fantastic, but here we pop up with a late winner in extra time. For me, that's what football's about. I'll put this tweet on on Twitter as well. Harry Maguire, there's nothing better than your captain stepping forward from centre-back and scoring a last-minute extra time winner in the FA Cup to send you to Wembley, and everyone's moaning about it. And I thought, that's the reason I watch football. 
for that type of moment. But everyone now is top four this, top four that. But for me, what will you remember in 10 years' time? Us scraping fourth or us winning a trophy at Wembley? Spot on, and I'm with you. And it's all about winning trophies. And Oli said that in his press conference uh, and in his post-match. He said, like, it's so important that we do win a trophy because I want this squad of players to start obtaining that winning mentality. Um, The criticism I had wasn't so much actually the players. I just thought... And you know what? Credit to Oli, and I'll come to that. But... Uh, I just didn't like that th- the the three behind the striker. It was Lingard on the left, uh, Bruno Fernandez in the middle, and then one Mata on the right. And I thought Mata and Bruno are similar players, albeit okay. Mata's maybe not the play he was a few years ago. However, all three of those operate centrally. They're not going to beat a man. They're not going to get in behind. And I just thought it just made us a little bit too narrow because all those players like to play centrally. Um, but credit to Oli in saying that. He rotated bodies in um, and he changed the formation and he changed the squad at a key moment, which obviously, and look, as we said, we got the result. But uh, speaking of players who want to play century, a player who's been central to conversation from this performance, Bruno Fernandes. Tom, apparently he's garbage all of a sudden and we shouldn't rate him as a quality footballer because the poor bloke has one bad performance. Um, but he was quite wasteful. What did you make of Bruno's performance? When you look at his performance and we sort of look on the ball, we see how many passes, how many shots, how many goals, did he assist, did he create, etc. If you look at that, it's, yeah, probably his worst performance in a United shirt, you'd say, and that is obviously by his high standards, so you don't want to be overcritical and say, oh, it's a bad performance. I think it's a bad performance by his standards. However, maybe it's a glass half full kind of scenario, but I'm taking big positives from this. And we always know, we've always seen so far his work rate, and he does work hard, he does fight. But I saw a different type of fight in this game. Not so much a fight, but a, a desire to win. There was, in a, it was almost just, in a nutshell, one incident right at the end of the game. I think it was deep in injury time, just before we got the goal. Look, he's an attacking midfielder. He's on there to try and make something happen, try and score a goal or try and create a goal. There was a chance, it must have been 118th minute, 117th minute or something, just before the goal. And he's the attacking midfielder trying to make something happen. And he found himself having to track back into our own corner. He made a 60, 70 metre sprint to chase, I think, their left winger was making a run down the line. And it's a lost cause. That is the worst thing for an attacking midfielder when you want to go and get a goal, when you sort of relied upon to go and help your team score. You seemingly make a pointless run just for the sake of working hard for the team, back into your own corner. There is nothing worse than it. You're thinking, why am I back here? This isn't going to help anyone. And he's done it, and he's won the ball back in his own corner after a 60, 70-yard sprint, won it, played the ball forward, and then sort of sprinted back into position. And that desire, okay, he probably didn't have the best game. Fantastic. A lot of players are going to have bad games. A lot of players are going to have a lot worse games than Bruno did. But that desire showed me something very special and I can sort of give him a pass for the so-called bad performance because what we saw there, I don't want to compare the two, but it was very Tevez-like. It was just, he just covered every single blade of grass and that little run at the end to go and salvage the ball in the corner was sort of epitomises every blade of grass. 100% with you because footballers are not going to play 10 out of 10 every single week unless their names are Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, his performance was industrious for what he lacked in terms of final product. So, look, like you said, he's, play- and he's played a lot of football. I was actually surprised he started this game. So I'll be interested to see how Oli uses him in the next few games. But uh, 
look, like you said, when it's not going perfectly for you, as long as you're working hard, I can definitely give you the benefit of the doubt. Um, and, and you know what? Based on statistics, most chances created, most take-ons, and he won three tackles. And one of those was the effort that you mentioned towards in extra time. Like, Well, well I still think there's that stat fight out. I don't know if it's accurate. I'm sure it is because everyone's talking about it. But we still haven't lost a game where Bruno's played in. Oh, yeah, spot on. Well, um, it will come to an end eventually, oh, but let's hope uh, if it stays to the end of this season, I'll be over the moon. Um, let's talk about two players who I thought uh, were actually really poor, and there was no doubt about it. Uh, and to be honest, I've defended and been calling for one of these guys to get an opportunity. Eric Bailly and Luke Shaw. The defense was, I don't think it's harsh to say a shambles today. I know we only conceded one. What did you make of these guys' performances, Tom? Well, start with Eric Bay. I think it almost just comes down to simply what we mentioned. We seem to mention every five seconds lately. He was just rusty. And I just think he came back into... sort of It's a high-pressure situation in FA Cup where if you make a mistake as a defender, you're out of the competition. And I think Bay is a player who plays on that edge where he's always, always very close to a mistake. And I just think... I don't think he was nervous. I think it just it took him a while to get into it. And um, yeah, I just thought he was extremely rusty and... I think we have these high hopes of Eric Bay because we know what he can be. But I think there's always that thing in the back of our mind where we sort of, again, we understand what he can be, but we know what he will be. And I think we're just sort of almost coming to the acceptance that we are, what we see with Eric Bay is what we're going to get. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and I think, is it possible he's just a player like, if I think of, say, Wayne Rooney, I know they're obviously completely different positions, but you know how Rooney always took a few games when he had a layoff or didn't play for a certain period of time before he really found a rhythm? Is Eric Bay similar in that sense? Well, you'd say so. But, and look, Wayne Rooney was probably quite a, a little bit injury-prone himself. But you say that with Bay, and it's probably correct. However, when he gets those three or four games, you know what's going to happen, unfortunately. He's going to be injured, and then he'll come back six weeks later and we'll do the same surface over and over. So... It's a hard one. I love Eric Bay, and look, I don't, I don't think he was very bad. I just think he um, just didn't have a great game. It was just, it was almost the visual sort of sign of he hasn't played in months, and obviously that is the case. I'm with you, but in saying that, I think I need a stop, unfortunately, calling for him to replace Lindelof. Um, but let's talk about a player who, if I'm being honest, I cannot defend. Luke Shaw. I thought he was awful, Tom. Again, just. All over the shop. Oh, how about... Can we just talk about that brilliant cross he did to Brendan Williams? And he acted... He was the best actor. Like, someone should sign him up for Hollywood because he acted as if that was his intention. Get out of here. Like, we've... If that was Ashley Young, there would be riots. He was awful. Look, he did get on my nerves. And it was a different type of game because I mentioned in the last podcast what I thought he was doing to, or what I thought Ollie was doing tactically. I thought it was very different this game. He sort of, especially in the first half, he, he sort of almost hugged the touchline. But he gets into those areas and you just think, I don't think Luke Shaw actually does anything too sort of wrong. I don't think there's too many mistakes in Luke Shaw's game. There's just so many positions he gets into where you think, do, do more. Okay, you're not making any mistakes. You're making the correct, or you're making a, a sort of completed pass. But you you have to do more at Man United. Like there's so many positions, and I said why we probably don't cross the ball as much as we probably would like as fans. I think in terms of, and maybe today we've probably the chance to because Gallo's maybe a little bit more of a physical threat than Martial. But he gets into those areas, and I think we're just so accustomed as Man United fans to whipping balls into the box. Just I just think Luke Shaw should take those risks. And okay, you saw that um, cross that he did to Brandon Williams. Maybe um, crossing is not his strong point. 
But um, if it's not his strong point, he shouldn't be a starting fullback for this club. I'm sorry, I just it's not good enough. Because defensively, like if you look at Wambasaka, he backs it up at the back. Defensively, rock solid. Nothing gets past him, so you can excuse it. But in saying that, he's improved his attack. Luke Shaw offers nothing. Honestly, like, why are we persisting with this guy? I'm just, it's it's about time Brendan Williams gets put on that side. I'm just, I'm at the end of my tether with him, mate. I think it's hard because he has, it's almost like one of the we say he has the attributes to go forward. It just doesn't quite work. Luke Shaw, he, he shows he does have the attributes. As, as much as sort of people make fun of his weight and his shape, etc. He's very fit and he does get forward. He's got a really good engine to get forward. But when he gets there, I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I've mentioned before, I think a lot of it might come down to Solskjaer's instructions, which sort of limits Shaw in that area. But I think in terms of sort of kicking on in his career, he is going to have to take a couple more risks when he gets into that final third, um, which it's going to be up to him if he does or doesn't. We've got seven games left in the Premier League. We've got still the Europa League to play after this Premier, this project restart concludes. And we're obviously still in the FA Cup. So Shaw has enough time to show us, now is your time to step up. You're either going to show us, this is your opportunity, and you'll be our fullback for the next five to seven years, or you can show him the back door, and he can be a squad player. But let's move on. Um, Let's focus on some positive. That man, Igalo, you brought him up. Now, that is someone who I'm very proud of. He continues to score in the FA Cup. Seems to be his, his niche, if you like. What did you make of his performance and his goal? I don't think so much I wanted to actually touch on his performance. I think just the overall package of what is Agalo, it's perfect. Martial scored a hat-trick, you want to rest in for Brighton, you bring in Agalo, he plays well and grabs your goal, gets a man sent off, so, so probably likely was going to have two goals if he was set through there. Um, look, we, we can get into the debate on his signing and his arrival if it was the right thing, what position the club found themselves in. But it's just another sign of since Agalo's come in, he's been absolutely perfect for what his job is. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and, and like you said, um, like I just I mentioned his performance because I thought, look, the first half just it just came and went. I, I thought it was a non-eventful half of football, but um, I thought in the glimpses that he did do, he constantly made runs, held the ball up well. Um, he got that obviously got someone sent off, um, holding the ball up, and with some nice trickery there from Bruno. I thought, like like you said, he's the perfect foil to Martial, and he's proven that he was the right signing because when he comes in. He's doing a job, and that's what we've needed there. Um, let's talk about the goalkeeper just before we move on. Um, I thought Romero sort of proved today, and I don't want to be too harsh on him on the goal, so I'm keen to see what you think there, but I think he's just shown that he's not the replacement for De Gea. If you have doubts about his form, I just I just didn't see enough. What, what did you think about the Argentinian? Yeah, well, in regards to his position and David De Gea's situation, yeah, I don't think you can put him, as good as he's done and as good as he can do when he comes in, I don't think he should ever be in the discussion for a De Gea replacement or a Dean Henderson replacement. I think if he's a backup keeper, that's great. He can come in. If he has to come in for six weeks, that's great. But yeah, I don't think he's in that discussion for our next number one. In regards to the goal, I thought, yeah, he has to do better. If that's De Gea, De Gea's been going to be hung out to dry by the media. And I think... I think a few sort of people blamed Harry Maguire. He should have got out, but I thought Fred was closing the strikes. I thought Harry Maguire was just sort of keeping his line well because Norwich did have a few runners going. But from that distance, and look, it's sort of a cliche when a Kirby gets beaten at his near post that they shouldn't be. 
and yeah, really there he, he shouldn't be because it's it's from that far out. That from memory, the shot wasn't hit with too much power. That was obviously a, a nice strike, but it didn't sort of rocket into the goal. And um, yeah, it was just a case of him not being able to reach the ball. So yeah, it's a definite mistake. And look, yeah, you don't want to be overly critical of him. He's done fantastic since he every time he comes in. But um, yeah, if we're going to hang out um, De Gea to dry, um, you have to do the same here for Romero. Definite mistake. Yeah, spot on. But let's let's focus on a very very positive outcome of the match. Uh, Paul Pogba came on again, just making a genuine difference and showing his class. Can I throw some stats at you? And this is uh, as of Statman Dave on Twitter: thirty six final third passes. Four chances created, three shots, two of which were on target, and three tackles won. Obviously, he was involved in the winner, which um, Harry Maguire scored, which we'll come to. But how good was Pogba? Genuine difference maker. It's again, I think I've said the same thing for the last two podcasts since we've come in. Obviously, one game he came off the bench and he obviously started against Sheffield United. But it's the same case here. He just comes on and he shows he's a different level to anyone we have. And so far, a different level to anyone who's been on the pitch. So, um... It is just hopefully he stays fit, and who knows in this sort of post-COVID world, the more it's more and more likely. And you see from his Instagram sort of behaviour that he's posted more about Man United. Maybe there is something deep down that him and his team have sort of decided that his future might be at Old Trafford. And if if there is that commitment to life at United, it's only going to benefit us. If I were to ask you right now, does he sign a new deal or not? Where do you sit? Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have a clue. I, w- What's I, can see, mate, I, can, I can see his future at United maybe, in, but I don't think he commits straight away. I think he'll play out his contract now and um, whether United sort of are, re- are in favour of doing that, I'm not quite sure. But um, I can't see, usually if someone like that is going to sign a contract, you hear murmurs of it for six months and I don't think there's too many sort of concrete rumours re- regarding a new contract. So um, I can't see him signing a new contract anytime soon. I think United do have... Um, the next extension to extend it by a year if they need to. Um, but in saying that, I do see a future for him at United. So fingers crossed in, from my perspective. I think if we make Champions League, uh, I think he'll sign a new deal. But we will wait and see. Hey, did, Tom, you see you... did you see yeah. that thing before you go on? There was the thing where Bruno Fernandes had an interview of Hillary who was doing a Zoom call with someone and he was talking about when he first arrived at United, Paul Pogba was the one who came in and sort of helped him sort of settle in in terms of house hunting and everything. He said, where do you want to live? Do you want a house or apartment? Um, how much or what's your budget? What are you willing to spend? And then he, he sort of narrowed down the options for him. Then probably came in the next day and said, okay, we'll go looking for a place when you're ready. And I just think it's a good thing which needs to be brought up because the media portrays Pogba as this sort of this toxic virus in and amongst the dressing room. However, all the people in the dressing room can't speak highly enough of him. Well, we all know who called Pogba a virus, and it was uh, Bruno's compatriot. So, well, I think we can put that to bed, and we all know who the real virus was in that relationship, at least in my opinion. Hey, Tom, you know this uh, striker hunt that United apparently keep getting linked to? You know, we want Jimenez and I don't know who else, er uh, Erling Haaland. I think we should just park the bus because we've got Harry Maguire. He scores 30-yard screamers. He scores tap-ins, poacher goals. He scores with his head. He's the complete number nine, is he not? See what I love most about the goal, and I forget if it was two minutes before the goal or if it was 30 seconds before the goal, I forget. But a cross came into the box and he was up there and he's done this horrible dive to try and win a penalty. It was a shocking dive, had no no chance at all of being awarded. But that's something I like. And again, you don't want to promote diving, but I love that 
late in the game a desire to do anything to win. It didn't quite work for him, but he's this big sort of brash centre-back. But he's gone up forward and done whatever he could to try and win. And I, I respect that type of cheating when it's on my or when it's my team doing it. But in regards to the finish, yeah, look, it's a scrappy goal. And it's, it's one of those. Um, it's not going to make any highlight reels. But in terms of the importance of it, uh, as I mentioned before, it's what you watch football for in terms of your captain sending you through in a last minute of extra time in the FA Cup. I thought um, it was fantastic. Yeah, I thought, look, he's made a few errors since football's come back, Maguire, but again, I think he's one of those players, once he gets a rhythm going, he will be better, and we saw before the lockdown, he was, no doubt about it for me, if not the best centre-back in the Premier League, right behind Van Dyke. He's been very good, very solid season, and he keeps popping up with goals, he's showing his leadership qualities, and I couldn't be happier for him. Well, speaking of Maguire, let's go into our 3-2-1s. Tom, I'll give you the honours. Who was your man of the match and gets the three points for this game? Well, I think the influence Pogba had in terms of which he does, every, it was almost very similar to the Tottenham game. He literally came on and changed the game in an instant. But again, if I'm looking over 90 minutes, I think it might be that man. And again, it, when the game did go to 10 men, he literally had no sort of defensive responsibility. But I thought what Maguire did well was when he did get the ball out of the back four, he was stepping into midfield and he was sort of driving the ball forward and we were camped on their box. And I think a lot of that was off the back of Maguire's decision to carry the ball and then allow Pogba let um, Bruno to sort of take up more advanced positions. And then obviously the winning goal, you can't you can't knock that because I think all of us were sort of had in the back of our minds, if that game did go to penalties, as sort of as many good penalty takers as we had on the pitch, I don't think anyone was confident of beating Tim Krull. So I think we de- definitely had to win it in normal time or in extra time. And um, I'd probably opt for Maguire. I don't think anyone really stood out in terms of a real man of the match performance. So for me, I'd say Harry Maguire. Oh, look, you know what? I could make a case for Pogba. I really could. And I know he obviously didn't play the full 90, so that's what kind of steps him down. But... <clears throat> The criticism I have of Maguire, and look, it's semi-harsh because it's not his fault really, ultimately, but I just thought he could have done better with the goal. I just feel like he, if he reacted sooner, I probably could have stuck, he could have put himself in front of, I forget the Norwich player's name, forgive me, but he could have just shut him down a little bit, so perhaps put a bit more pressure. I don't know if that stops the goal, but it just perhaps it just could have thrown him off a little bit, but look. Based on what you've said, it's a solid argument. If and he scores the he scores the winner at the end of the day, that puts us through. So, for that reason alone, I'm going to agree with you and say Maguire for three points. Number two, it has to be the Frenchman, doesn't it? Look, I had written down here Regalo, but in terms of the, the more we look at it, the more you talk about it. In regards to the just the simple change he had, effect he had on the match. Oh, yeah, probably, and especially even in the goals, a tricky little ball he played into. I think he played it into Ogalo or to Martial just before the goal. It was a weird one. Everyone's sort of expecting a cross to the far stick or a floated cross um, towards the back post. But he just sort of dinked a little ball into a sort of a pocket in the near side of the box. And um, it was sort of played in from there. I think Ogalo tried to cross it, bounced off Martial. So Pogba did have an assist, or not an assist, but a real sort of impact in that um, second goal. So, um, if you gave me Maguire for three, I'm happy to accept Pogba for two. Yeah, look, I have to agree with that. And that's the thing, like, well, well, you, I agree with you agreeing with me, I should say. But, yeah, just the impact he has. I While Harry scores the goal in the end, I just don't think we get the result without Pogba. Just genuinely changed the game. World-class talent and ability. So, number one, then, we'll have to give it to Ogalo. It'd be wrong not to, wouldn't it? 
Well, not only for his goal, but I think if you, if you compare it to other performances across the pitch where we can sort of point out a lot of below-par performances, I don't think Igalo did anything wrong. So he got the goal and played sort of, I don't know, a 6 or a 7 out of 10. Um, so I think he's definitely worthy of a point compared to others. Viva Igalo, he gets the one-pointer today. That's the three two ones, Tom, I'll give it to you to go through our Facebook comments and Twitter comments. Yeah, so we've got actually a fair few Facebook and Twitter comments today, so we'll race through them because there are a few. But um, thank you all for getting involved. Maybe in future weeks when there's a lot, we might have to limit it to maybe just sort of the best points. But we'll read as many out here as we can. So from Facebook, we've got Robert um, saying, wasn't pretty, but Wembley, here we come. Was really worried about Bruno not resting and playing 120 minutes today. Uh, hope will be sweet for the Brighton game. Also on Facebook, Adrian Brett saying, disappointing that we weren't able to put Norwich away in 90 minutes. Probably the worst performance we've seen from Bruno since joining United. He definitely needs to rest. Otherwise, we're not going to see him at his best going forward. So I think we'll get into Brighton in a little bit. But yeah, I think my initial hunch is I probably wouldn't play Bruno against Brighton. I probably would give him a little bit of a rest. But um, also Adrian from Perth, the Perth Supporters Club, saying overall it's pretty shite. But we got the job done and that's the main thing. Especially with eight changes, Norwich really compact and very hard to break down. Good to get the shit performance out of the way and focus on Brighton away on Wednesday morning. Um, Pete Gilmore said, yeah, definitely a good game on our behalf. The fact that we scraped through and played like shit reminds me of the days where we expected to, gin, um, expected to win regardless of how shit we played. Um, and also George on Facebook said, actually you'll like this comment here, uh, Larry, saying I really liked it when Shaw held his width for the first hour, allowed him to defensively position himself better when losing the ball, and he put in a few nice crosses. I don't know, could you point out those crosses, George? I can't remember too many nice crosses. What, the one for Brendan Williams that ends up 30 yards behind him? (laughs) Well, he says here, one which led to Agallo's goal. So he did get the ball in the box, and he gets into those positions, and look, at the end of the day, it did contribute to a goal, so fair play to him. I would like to see him to maintain that width even when Marcus Rashford came on and on the goalkeeper. Although Romero was blindsided slightly, he should be doing better on the goal since it didn't go right in the corner. And um, also just moving on, which we both sort of mentioned earlier, and moving on to Twitter. Um, Damon on Twitter, love him to death, but why does Rashford feel the need to Ronaldo knuckleball every shot? If he could add calm and um, far post finesse finish into his craft, he'll get another five goals a season minimum. It's very frustrating. I think that shot with I Rashford, it's harsh. one of the... I, I, I do get that feeling with Rashford, but I think it's almost that one where, look, he did what he did against Chelsea. If we're going to celebrate that thing he did against Chelsea, the price we're going to have to pay is a lot of really sort of tame efforts like that, um, like he usually does. But also on Facebook, David said, no two on Xavi, Fosu, Mensah, Chong, Garno, Gomez, etc. Where are they at in their progression? I think there's... Look, I think there's a lot of hope for two on Xavi. Um, I think he falls in the same category as Eric Bailly in regards to his fitness. I think that's his biggest hurdle in his career at the moment. Uh, he just seemed to can't get fit. Everyone else, the, the the young players, I just think maybe the sort of where the squads currently sit in terms of their progression. I can't see a huge future any of those. I know we signed Chong to that new deal, but I think that was maybe just protecting his uh, value rather than sort of having any long term future at the club. But. I think definitely maybe when the season finishes, we can sort of go through all those young players and assess where their future lies. But also, our last comment on Twitter, which we actually haven't mentioned this player, I don't think, in the podcast. So Vin, who's been on the podcast before, said Lingard's performance, where does that leave him? And um, yeah, I thought Lingard was poor. Not poor in a bad way, just 
it, it almost just summed up Lingard where he is. And I think both of us here have agreed that since he did get Rayola as an agent, I just don't see that future for him. It almost, it, he's almost playing like that. Like it's, it's almost, I don't think in a negative way, but he's just going through the motions because um, maybe his heart isn't quite in it as it once was. I think he did some, uh, I thought he had some nice touches. I did some, did a few nice dribbles as well. Like I, I didn't think he was good by any stretch, but um, he showed some sharpness, which I haven't seen in a while. So maybe it's something. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, that's all the uh, Facebook and Twitter comments. So thank you everyone for um, getting involved. Always good to um, see everyone's listening and getting involved, which is good. Yeah, we'll need to think of a cool name for when we're reading out comments. You know, something pub related. So yeah, let me think about that one, and we'll come back to it. All right, Tom. Before we wrap up, let's have a quick look to Brighton. Um, Brighton Hove Albion. Uh, we've got them Thursday morning for us, five fifteen a.m. We love those early morning wake ups, but I'm telling Thursday you, Thursday or Wednesday? I think it's Wednesday. Uh, Oh, whatever. It's one of them. Uh, so, obviously, Brighton are 15th uh, in the table, but they haven't performed too badly since Project Restart restarted. Um, they've obviously uh, beaten Arsenal right at the hood. Oh, my gosh. I love that, by the way. Um, and then they've had a draw against Leicester. So, good results. Um, I don't think they'll be easy by any means, but it should be a game we'd, we should win. Um, what do you think about the squad selection? Uh, who, do, who comes in, I should say, for this one? Well, I think he revert back to... Well, in Solskjaer's mind, I think he would revert back to his strongest eleven in terms of almost that Sheffield United team. However, given the 120 minutes, given Bruno's played all the minutes so far, I would probably opt for resting Bruno, um, who comes in for him. Whether it be Pogba plays more advanced and you bring Fred or McTominay in to sit with Matic, I'm not quite sure. But my one surprise selection will probably be um, giving Bruno um, and maybe an hour or hour or so off and um, if you do need him to create something later on bring him on but um, this is the one game where I think look not under not underestimating Brighton at all but um, it is unique circumstances and we are going to have to rotate every game because what is it it's our fourth game in just over a week so unfortunately Bruno is out for me yeah, lots of football. And look, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think play Pogba in that advanced role. He's obviously very good there, and it just gives him an opportunity to be uh, in and around the box. Uh, I think Martial definitely comes in. Rashford on the left. Who can I say? I thought that Rashford ball for Martial in the game as well. Um, I know did, the defender ends up getting there in the end, but I thought that was classy. Rashford's getting his head up a lot more, and he's looking at what other players are doing. He used to be very head down and go for it, so it's great to see that maturity in his game. Just need to get that finishing back in. Um... It'll be interesting to see what he does on the right. Greenwood, James didn't play as well, so that's interesting. But, yeah, um, is there anyone from Brighton that you think's, you know, the main threat? Obviously, we've got the two Aussies, um, Aaron Moy, creative player, probably Australia's best, and we've got the goalkeeper as well, Matt Ryan. It's probably, in my opinion, probably the forward. Um, Mope, is it? He, he, he's quite good. Well, the only reason everyone likes him at the moment is because what he pre- provided us with um, Arsenal Fan TV the last couple of days, so... um. But he's obviously a handful. He looks like one of those players who um, will sort of try to get under the skin of players, which you saw him do with um, great effect to Gwendozi. So, um, and he seemed to be in a little bit of good form. So I think, look, Harry Maguire, he's played all the minutes so far from memory, um, especially after 120 minutes. He, he definitely plays this game, but he's going to have his work cut out. Uh, hopefully, look, we've always been calling for Eric Bailly to come in, but I think we're both sort of agree. Lindelof probably has to come back in now. Um, yeah, gladly, because I think the centre-backs probably... We do, definitely weren't tested against Norwich, should I say. Um, I think we definitely will be tested against Brighton. I'm with you. But 
again, like, well, I'm not going to ask you, is it a must win? But obviously, Wolves are in fifth now, so they do. We do have a game in hand, but it's important that United keep racking three points. Otherwise, they can easily lose, lose, uh, basically lose pace with uh, Chelsea and Wolves and other contestants for that top four finish. Tom, give me a final score prediction on this one. Um, let's go two 0 I think two 0 Then maybe Martial and Rashford. Rashford sort of might pop up with a goal eventually. I'm feeling, you know what? I'm I'm with Martial there, but I think Greenwood. He's he's been close a couple of times. I think he's due to go out on the score sheet. So I'm gonna give Greenwood a shout there. And I think that's a good place to leave the podcast. Um, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to give us a review. I'm sick of saying it. Um, but you know what? We've had some positive feedback. Please keep it in. Uh, keep, keep connected with us on social media. And we will chat to you after the Brighton game. Cheers. Cheers.